Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to KPNF and Penfold Theatre Company's classic radio cast of A Christmas Carol. Oh, it is a pleasure to be with you this evening. I'm Clint Harris, and it's my honor to be your guide as we venture together through what Charles Dickens called his ghost story of Christmas time. Now, Assisting me this evening will be Elizabeth Bernhardt, Julia Lorenz Olson, James Byers, and Robert Berry as our Ebenezer Scrooge. Let's give them all a big round of applause. And of course, we will, as always, be broadcasting live in front of our own studio audience here at Old Settlers Hall, sending our little story out through the great American airwaves. Now, to those enjoying tonight's program in person, please help us by keeping the studio quiet for the next 90 minutes or so by silencing your electronic devices and refraining from flash photography. We thank you sincerely on behalf of the program's generous sponsors, Bloomberg Philanthropies, the City of Austin, the City of Round Rock, Texas Commission on the Arts, Larry Niver of Edward Jones, Chapel Oats Organizing, the Old Settlers Association of Williamson County, Chisholm Trail Community Foundation, Advanced Eye Care and Surgery, and Community Impact Newspaper. You see, imported from a long ago Dickensian England, we'll walk tonight with that most lost of souls, Ebenezer Scrooge, as he travels with his spirits of Christmas's past, present, and future in hopes of a new life on the other side. So join me, if you will, on our radio cast journey through this ghost story of Christmas time, Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Marley was dead to begin with. There's no doubt whatever about that. The register of his burial was signed by the clergyman, the clerk, the undertaker, and the chief mourner. Scrooge signed it. And Scrooge's name was good upon anything he chose to put his hand to. Old Marley was dead as a doornail. Now, Scrooge knew he was dead? Of course he did. Scrooge and I were partners for I don't know how many years. <laughs> but he was a tight-fisted hand to the grindstone. Scrooge. A squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. And once upon a time, of all the good days in the year on Christmas Eve... Old Scrooge sat busy in his counting house, a grim, cheerless place if ever there was one. The door of Scrooge's office was open that he might keep his eye upon his clerk, Bob Cratchit, who sat in a cold and dismal little cell beyond and worked at his ledgers. 19, 20, 21, 29, carry the three, two, Bob oh, oh, yes, Mr. Scrooge. Stop that infernal caterwauling. Yes, sir. Singing the idiotic Christmas carols at my very door. Go on, get away from my door. Go and bellow your blasted carols somewhere else. Well, I'll give you such a... Carols at Christmas time might be for a few coppers. You'll get nothing from me. Take a full carols and be gone. Yes, sir. A merry Christmas, anyone, sir. Uh, yes, Mr. Scrooge. Uh, 
you get that letter from Higgins and Blackthorne, and then I want you to finish posting this ledger. After that, you can pop over to Parthagill's and tell Ephraim Parthagill that you've come for the 17 shillings and sixpence he's owed me since Michaelmas, and tell him I'll have a constable over there if he doesn't pay up at once. Mr. Parthagill's wife has been ill, sir. Oh, and what do I care about his wife? I want my 17 and six. I, I just thought it being Christmas, sir. Christmas. You mentioned that word to me once more, Bob Cratchit. Oh, Merry Christmas, uh, Uncle! A Merry Christmas, Bob! Uh, Merry Christmas, Mr. Fred! God save you, Uncle! Uh, <laughs> Christmas a humbug, Uncle! Now, I'm sure you don't mean that. I mean just that. Exactly that. Merry Christmas. What right have you to be merry? What reason have you? You're, you're, you're poor enough. Oh, well, what right have you to be dismal? What reason have you to be morose? You're rich enough. Uh, <laughs> now, Uncle, don't be cross. Well, what else can I be when I live in such a world of fools? Uh, what's Christmas to you <laughs> but a time for paying bills without money? A time for finding yourself a year older and not an hour richer? <laughs> if I could work my will, every idiot that goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips would be boiled with his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly through his artichoke. <laughs> Uncle! Not you! <laughs> Keep Christmas in your own way, and let me keep it in mine. Keep it, but you don't keep it. Let me leave it alone, then. Much good may Christmas do you. Much good a devil has done you. There are many things from which I derive good by which I have not profited materially, I dare say. <laughs> Christmas among the rest, but I have always thought of Christmas time as a good time. A kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant time, and... Therefore, uncle, although it has never put a scrap of gold or silver in my pocket, I believe it has done me good and will do me good. And I say God bless it. Oh, God bless Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Let me hear another sound out of you there, Cratchit, and you'll keep your Christmas by losing your situation. As to you, nephew, I wonder you don't go into Parliament. <sighs> oh, don't be angry, uncle. Hmm. I, I want nothing from you. I ask nothing of you. <laughs> Why can't we be friends? Come dine with my wife and me tomorrow. Why did you ever get married? <laughs> because I fell in love. You fell in love? If there is anything more idiotic than Merry Christmas... You never came to see me before. Why use her as a reason now? Good afternoon. <laughs> well, I've made the trial an homage to Christmas, and I'll keep my hu Christmas humor to the last. I said good afternoon! And a Merry Christmas to you, Bob, and the missus, and a tiny Tim. Oh, thank you, Mr. Fred, and you too, sir. <laughs> good day, Bob. And a Merry Christmas, Uncle! Begone! <laughs> Nonsense! I'm talking of a Merry Christmas with not two sixpences to rub together in his trouser pocket. Hey, 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 you there! Cratchit! Come here. What are you doing there? I'm, I'm only putting a bit more coal in a fire, Mr. Scrooge, seeing it's so cold. You put that coal back in its scuttle? A fire indeed. I'll tell you this much. If you keep using coal at that rate, you and I will soon be parting company. Do you understand that? There's plenty of young fellow like your situation, you know. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, sir. It's, it, it's just the cold affects the ink, and well, my fingers were getting a little stiff as all. The ink's fine. And put on your mittens. Uh, there's someone at the door. Go see who it is. Yes, sir. Oh, good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. <laughs> uh, this is the firm of Scrooge 
and Marley, I take it? Yes, ma'am. Yes, well, I should like to see Mr. Scrooge or Mr. Marley then. A matter of Christmas charity. Oh. <laughs> Very good, madam. Mm. <clears throat> what is it? A lady to see you, Mr. Scrooge. Mm. Uh, have I the pleasure of addressing uh, Mr. Scrooge or Mr. Marley? Marley's been dead these seven years. Seven years ago this very night. Oh, well, uh, Mr. Scrooge, then. Yes, Mr. Scrooge, uh, at this festive season of the year, it is more than usually desirable that we should make some slight provision for the poor and destitute who suffer greatly at this present time. Many thousands are in want of common necessaries. Hundreds of thousands are in want of common comforts, sir. Are there no prisons? There are plenty of prisons, sir. And the workhouses, they're still in full operation, I trust. Oh, they are, though I wish I could say they are the not. The treadmill and the poor law are in full vigor, <sighs> then. Both very busy, sir. Ah, glad to hear it. I was afraid from what you had said at first that something had stopped them in their useful course. Sir, a few of us upon this festive season of the year are endeavouring to raise such a fund as to buy the poor some meat and drink and means of warmth, you see. We choose this time because it is this time, above all others, when want is keenly felt and abundance rejoices and, well, what shall I put you down for? Nothing. I see you wish to remain anonymous, sir. I yes, wish to be left alone. I do not make merry myself at Christmas time, and I can't afford to make idle people merry. I'm forced to support the institutions that I mentioned through the theft of taxation. They cost enough. Let those who are badly off go there. Well, many can't go there, sir, and many would rather die. Then perhaps they had better do so and decrease the surplus population. <gasps> Besides... I prefer not to get involved. But there are neighbors, Mr. Scrooge. It's still none of my business. It is enough for a man to understand his own business and not interfere with other people's mine occupies me constantly. Good afternoon, madam. Quite understand, Mr. Scrooge. Cratchit. Good afternoon. Show the lady out. Yes, sir. This way, please. Oh, madam, I couldn't have overhearing it. I should like to contribute your tuppence. Catch it, back to work. Yes, sir. It isn't much. Oh, you're a generous fellow, sir. I wish I might say so of your employer. Get in here, catch it. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yes, sir. Close the door and back to work. Yes, sir. 24, 31, one carry the three. Oh, new cap for Tony Tim. Uh, uh, comb for Martha. 33 and carry three. Air ribbon for Belinda. Oh, time to close up! Wait! So it is. Mm -hmm. Time to close up. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> I suppose it's too late to have you go to Parthagill's now. He'll be closed up for Christmas like the other fools. Oh, yes, sir. Fools, sir. <laughs> yes, I suppose you'll be wanting the entire day tomorrow. If it's quite convenient, sir. No, it's not convenient, and it's not fair either. 
But I suppose there's nothing I can do about it. If I was to stop half a crown of your wages for it, you'd think yourself very ill-used. Well, sir, But I... you don't think me ill-used when I pay a day's wages for no work. It's only once a year, sir. <laughs> a poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. But if I'm the only one who sees that... Be here all the earlier the next morning. Do you understand? <laughs> oh, I will, sir. I will indeed. <laughs> Thank you, sir. And Merry Christmas. <laughs> Leave me and take your infernal Merry Christmas, will you? I'm sorry, sir. Thank you again, sir. Bah! The office was closed in a twinkling, and Bob practically ran home to Camden Town as hard as he could pelt, only stopping very briefly to shoot down a slide on Cornhill in honor of it being Christmas Eve and all. Scrooge, on the other hand, took his melancholy dinner in his usual melancholy tavern. Having read all the newspapers and spent the rest of the evening with his banker's book, he went back to his dismal house. Darkness was cheap, and Scrooge liked it. The yard was so dark that even Scrooge, who knew its every stone, had to grope at times through the fog and the frost to find the door. Now, it is a fact that there was nothing at all particular about the knocker on the door of this house, excepting that it was very large. Also, that Scrooge had seen it night and morning during his whole residence in that place. Also, that Scrooge had as little of what is called fancy about him as any man in the city of London. And yet Scrooge, having his key in the lock of the door, saw in the knocker, without its undergoing any intermediate process of change, not a knocker, but Marley's face. Marley's face, with a dismal light about it, like a bad lobster in a dark cellar. It wasn't angry or ferocious, but it looked at me, as Marley used to look, with ghostly spectacles up upon its ghostly forehead. As Scrooge looked fixedly at this phenomenon, it was a knocker again. He shook himself for a moment, then stepped through the portal, closing the door with a bang. Scrooge did take a moment, though, to walk through his rooms to see that all was right. Sitting room, bedroom, lumber room, all as they should be. Nobody under the table. Nobody under the sofa, nobody under the bed, nobody in the closet. Closing the door, he locked himself in, then double-locked himself in. He took off his cravat, put on his dressing gown and slippers and nightcap, and sat down before the fire to take his gruel. <coughs> Marley. Marley? I could have sworn I sold it. Humbug. Marley's been dead for years. All humbug. What I need is a good night's rest. Oh. What's that? Someone's in the wine cellar. Something's is coming. Some, something's coming closer. I would believe it. It's humbug still. No. 
Ebenezer Scrooge. What do you want with me? Much, Ebenezer. Who, who are you? Ask me who I was. You're very particular for a ghost. All right, then. Who were you? In life, I was your partner, Jacob Marley. Jacob Marley? But you're dead. Seven years ago this very night. What's wrong, Ebenezer? Don't you believe in me? I do not. You doubt your senses, Ebenezer? Yes, <clears throat> yes. Because a little thing affects them. A slight disorder of the stomach makes them cheat. You could be an undigested bit of beef, a blot of mustard, a crumb of cheese, a fragment of an underdone potato. There's more gravy than grave about you, whatever you are. <laughs> I do believe it. You stop, please, I do. Thank you. But why? Why, Jacob, do you walk the earth? And why do you come to me? It is required of every man that the spirit within him should walk abroad among his fellow men, if not in life, then to travel far and wide in death, to witness what it cannot share, but might have shared on earth. And tell me, Jacob, what is that chain you wear? Ah, I wear the chain I forged in life. I made it link by link and yard by yard. By my own free will, I wrought this chain. Is its pattern strange to you, Ebenezer? Cash boxes, keys and padlocks, ledgers and purses. Yours was as heavy and as long as this seven Christmases ago. You have labored on it since, Ebenezer. Oh, speak comfort to me, Jacob. Comfort I have none to give. I cannot rest. I cannot stay. I cannot linger. Weary journeys lie before me. Seven years of remorse already, Ebenezer. But no space of regret can make amends for one life's opportunities misused. But you were always a good man of business, Jacob. Business? <laughs> Mankind was my business. <laughs> Charity, mercy, benevolence. The dealings of my trade for a drop of water in the comprehensive ocean of my business. <laughs> Jacob, Jacob, don't go on so. Listen to me, Ebenezer. Oh, listen to you, Jacob, I will. I am here to warn you that you have yet a chance of hope of escaping my fate. Do you hear me, Ebenezer? Yes, Jacob, yes. yes. You were always a good friend to me, Jacob. Thank you. Um, go on. You will be haunted by three spirits. Is this the chance you spoke of, Jacob? It is your only hope. I think I'd rather not. Without their visits, you cannot hope to shun the path I tread. Expect the first tomorrow, when the bell tolls one. Oh, couldn't I have them all at once and have it over with? Look to them for your own sake. Remember what has passed between us. Remember when the bell tolls one to look for the first spirit. Marley? Jacob? Don't leave me yet! Marley left Scrooge to examine his again firmly locked and perfectly ordinary bedroom door. But he stopped at the first syllable, and being in much need of repose, 
from the emotion he had undergone or the fatigues of the day or his glimpse of the invisible world, he went straight to bed. Scrooge then had time to question what had occurred. And we have time to hear from our sponsors. Stay tuned, everyone. And now, a pair of charity workers, <laughs> along with a very special guest, pause from their holiday collections to discuss Community Impact Newspaper. Local, <laughs> useful, everyone gets it, isn't that right? Well, certainly. I believe our donations have a positive impact on the community. Yes, uh, collecting for orphans and the poor mm. has always been a priority for us. Oh, yes. Excuse me? Oh! Oh, hello. <laughs> how do you do? Oh, how do you do? Oh. Uh, would you like to make a donation, sir? Oh, one moment. I believe this is Walt Makovorsky of KI News. Oh, jolly good. A mover and a shaker of the community, as it were. A mover and shaker? No, madam. More like a pillar of the town. Mm. Immovable, stalwart. Someone who has made a true community impact. Mm, yes. Well, that's what I'm here to talk about. This newspaper and its impact. Newspaper? What, what? It's community impact. Look right here. I have one right here. Uh, oh. Heavens in Halifax, have a gander, will you? Well. This publication is set, set around just this area of town. Who's who? What's what? Business is coming and going. New construction projects, stories and features about the best and brightest entrepreneurs. Well, there's mm. a calendar of events, it helps you with your holiday shopping, oh. and terrific advertisements. Advertisements? What, <laughs> what in heaven's name are those? Mm. You know, blocks with pictures and stuff you can buy and might want to oh! buy. Advertisements, yes, well, jolly good. Tell me, how might one subscribe to this veritable plum pudding of a publication? Well, you don't need a subscription to Community Impact. It no? comes to your mailbox, not your doorstep. <laughs> the deuce, you oh. say? Then how do I pay for it? Yes. Oh, it's free. You don't need to pay for it. A free publication? What, just at Christmas time, eh? <laughs> no, yes, of course. all year round. Oh. Well, not a very astute business model, no. but God bless them. Yes, well, let's be certain, shall we, that if we approach Community Impact Newspaper for a donation, that we don't ask for too much. Seems they're already doing more than their fair share. Yes, most generous, most generous. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Community Impact Newspaper. Local, useful, everyone gets it. And let's have another round of applause for Walt Makaborski. <laughs> Everyone knows her, admires her too, and she has a secret she just might tell you. Maybe you've heard of her, know of her fame. Mrs. Penny McPerfect is her adorable name. Her house clean and tidy, it's as neat as a pin. Your house is a fright. But where to begin? The clutter it climbs from the walls to the ceiling, the toys, junk, and papers. The thought sends you reeling. So you perch in her home where not a thing's out of place, and she's guessed simply looking at your desperate face. Oh, my dear. She says sweetly <laughs> in between sips of tea. I've been where you've been, but then became free. Free of the clutter with rooms full of space. A place for everything and everything in its place. And it wasn't my doing. I admit I can't boast. We owe our tidy household to Chapel Oats. They came into our home, didn't judge, didn't moan. Chapel Oats turned our mess into a well-organized home. My family pitches in, we're equipped with a plan so that our home is never like your home again. So you do the research on this idea, Bright, and find... Mrs. Penny McPerfect is right! 
Chapel Oats organizing works with kids, busy clients, with families, and ADHD. Now that's science. They do kitchens. Oh, in closets. Playrooms, attics, garages. They can help you with dizzying paper barrages. If you've moved, they'll unpack. Set up maintenance check-ins. In case that cantankerous clutter bug beckons. Ooh. Special projects are welcomed. No junk pile too high. Chapel Oats organizing makes it easy as pie. Then the neighbors will wonder. And whisper about you. Because your home will be like Mrs. McPerfect's home, too. Buy any Chapel Oats organizing service for next year and get this year's prices through the end of December. Available by the hour or for a block of time, from 10 hours up to 40. Project-specific pricing available along with payment plans. You can even earn free hours for referrals. Oh, that's what I did. <laughs> Not that I need the extra hours. <laughs> Chapel Oats organizing, online at chapeloats.com. We now return to KPNF and Penfold Theatre Company's production of A Christmas Carol, classic radio cast. Scrooge awoke. He was lying on his bed fully dressed. What time was it? Suddenly, the curtains of his bed were drawn aside and Scrooge found himself face to face with the unearthly visitor. Ebenezer Scrooge. Who, who's that? It was a strange figure. Like a child, but not so like a child as like an old woman. Its hair, which hung about its neck and down its back, was white as if with age. And yet the face had not a wrinkle in it, and the tenderest bloom of youth was on its cheek. Ebenezer Scrooge, I have come for you. Are you the spirit whose coming was foretold to me? I am that spirit. Who am what are you? I am the ghost of Christmas past. Long past? No, your past. What, what brings you here to haunt me? Your welfare. Oh, nights on bright rest would be more conducive to my welfare. Your redemption, then. Rise and fly with me. Oh, no, 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 not out the window. I can't do that. I'm not a spirit. I, I'm mortal and liable to fall. There but a touch of my hand upon your heart, and you shall be upheld in more than this. Come, follow me. Where are we? What's become of the city? Oh, there's snow on the ground. Where have you brought me? These are the shadows of the things that have been. Do you recognize this countryside? I, I know every inch of it. Every rock, every tree. And do you recollect that path? I, I could walk it blindfold. Strange, you should have forgotten it so many years. Come. Let us go closer. Mm. My old schoolhouse. Uh, uh, and there, listen. The choir singing for the families come for Christmas. Here we are. Look through the window into that cold, barren room. What do you see, Ebenezer Scrooge? I see a boy. A solitary child, neglected by his family. Yes, yes, I, I, I know that boy. Why will he not join in with the other children's festivities? 
their games and songs. Poor lonely boy. Your lip is trembling. Uh, no, it, it's nothing, no, nothing at all. It, it, it's just that I, I wish it... Oh, it's, it's too late now. What's the matter? Uh, nothing, nothing. These waifs came to my door singing Christmas carols last night, and there was a boy like that among them. A, a poor, pale, thin... I, I just wish that I would have uh, given him something. That's all. Is that all? Yeah. Step inside. Oh, no, no, no. I, I'm not dressed to see anyone. These are the shadows of the things that have been. They have no consciousness of us. Dear brother. My little sister, Fan. She came to visit one Christmas. I've come to bring you home, dear brother. Home? For Christmas, Father would never. Home for good and all. Home forever and ever. Father is so much kinder than he used to be. No, he is, Eppy. He spoke so gently to me one night as I was going to bed that I was not afraid at all to ask him once more if he might come home. And this time... He said, yes, you should. And he let me take a coach to bring you. you. You are to be apprenticed in town, but you're never to come back here again. And first we're to be together all Christmas long and have the merriest time in all the world. Father, really? <laughs> You've got me back home? Yes, yes. Well, let me pack my things. Thank you, thank you for saving me, little fan. A delicate creature whom a breath might have withered. But she had a large heart. She had. I'll not deny it. She died a woman and had children, I think. One child. Your nephew? Uh, yes. Uh, Fred. Come, Ebenezer Scrooge. Let us see another Christmas. <laughs> and do you know this place, Ebenezer Scrooge? Know it. Know it. What, this is the counting house where I was apprenticed. Oh, and it's my old master. Oh, bless my heart. Old Fezziwig himself. My master, alive again, and hosting one of his Christmas parties. Pick your partners, everyone. Listen to him. We'll corkscrew, thread the needle, and then back to your places, all right? Now, one, two, three. Oh, look, it's, it's Dick Wilkins. Oh, and there's Mrs. Fezziwig, dancing more than any of them. Oh, and the table's up. All loaded with roasts and cider, mince pies and beer. Ooh, what a jolly time we used to have! That carefree young man with the light heart and the gay smile. Do you recognize him? Merciful heaven. Ebenezer! Oh, oh yes, sir. I'm just clearing away a few last things, sir. Uh, leave them there, my boy. Come dance with us, or at least... Come dance with Belle, your daughter! <laughs> yes, yes, my daughter. She thinks I don't notice, but I do. And don't pretend to be dull. I saw you no, making... No, I said I would never. <laughs> I said I would never. <laughs> don't be so blasted, fidgety. I think you've got a fine future ahead of you, lad. And if my daughter's developed an eye for you, she can do a lot worse. <laughs> now go dance with her. Yes, sir. Although you can't tell her I told you to. She'd never forgive me. <laughs> no, sir. But if I left it to you two, you'd spend all night on opposite ends of the hall sighing. Ruin the whole air of festivity! <laughs> Belle! Yes, Papa? Oh, Belle, dear, 
Ebenezer here has asked to dance with you. I what? If you have no objections, perhaps you could teach the awkward thing to real or Jane oh, or something. Now, I'm not awkward. I've got things to attend to. You kids have fun. <laughs> Miss Fezziwig. Master Scrooge. <laughs> Would you care to dance? Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> and, and I'm not that awkward. <laughs> there were more dances, and there were forfeits, and more dances, and there was cake. <laughs> but the great effect of the evening came after the roast and boiled, when the fiddler struck up Sir Roger de Coverley, and old Fezziwig stood out to dance with Mrs. Fezziwig. Top couple, too, with three or four and twenty pair of partners. People who would dance and had no notion of walking. During the whole of this time, old Scrooge followed around the shadows and acted like a man out of his wits. His heart and soul were in the scene, and with his former self, he corroborated everything, remembered everything, enjoyed everything, and underwent the strangest agitation. How happy I was then. A small matter for old Fezziwig to make those silly folks so full of joy. Small matter indeed. Isn't it? He has spent only a few pounds of your mortal money. Is that so much that he deserves praise? It's not that, Spirit. Old Fezziwig has the power to make us happy or unhappy, uh, to make our service pleasant or a burden. His power lies in words and in looks, and things so tiny it, it's impossible to count them up. <laughs> Why, the happiness he brings is, is quite as great as if it cost a... As if it cost a... What is the matter? Nothing, no, nothing. Something, I think. No, 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 no. Speak. We're lonely. I, it, it's just that I should like to be able to say a word or two to my clerk, Cratchit. That's all. My time grows short, and we have yet one more journey to make. Where now? Come. This is our last visit to the past, Ebenezer. Here in this little room with a fair young girl by your side. Do you recognize yourself, Ebenezer? No, 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 no. Spare me this. You're older now, a man in the prime of life. Your face has begun to wear the signs of care and avarice developing the eager, restless eyes of a miser. No, please. She sees it too, that girl by your side. That's why there are tears just at the edge of her eyes. Belle. This engagement ring matters little to you. Very little, I know that now. Belle, I've not changed toward you, have I? When we were first engaged, we were both poor and content to be so. Was it better then? Better to be poor? Better at least to be happy with each other. You are changed. You are another man then. I was a boy. You blame me because I've grown wiser. Your own heart tells you you're not what you were. But I've never tried to break our engagement. In words, no. In what then? In a changed nature. In an altered spirit. In everything that made my love of any value to you. So 
So, I release you from your promise. For the love of him you once were. Belle. At first it may cause you pain to lose me. A very brief pain. Soon it will dim like a half-remembered dream. An unprofitable dream. From which you will be glad you awoke. Say something! Here you be happy in the life you have chosen, Ebenezer. Don't just stand there, say something! For the love of the love we once had. Go on. Run, you fool! You can still... You fool! If you were still free on that day, could she any longer believe that you would choose a dowerless girl? Or choosing her that your repentance and regret would not surely follow? Spirit, I could bear no more. These are the shadows of the things that have been. That they are what they are. Do not blame me. Let me go and haunt me no more! So we'll be right back after this brief intermission. Stick around, folks, for Act Two of Penfold Theatre Company's production of A Christmas Carol, classic radio cast. Bust me buttons! If it isn't my old show business partner from the musical. How are you, Edwin? Whoa there, whoa! <laughs> Couldn't be better, friend. Care to catch up over a coffee? Uh, only if you're off the meter. Off the meter? What do you mean by that, then? Aren't you some sort of handsome cab driver? <laughs> well, the ladies still think me handsome. Aha! Uh -huh. But this is no cab. It's my carriage. Your carriage? How can you foot that bill on a comics wages? <laughs> I'll tell you all about it over a cup. Come on, then. Up you go. <laughs> Evans, this is posh. We're riding in style, Mr. Jones. This is an 1848 Ansem Ankley cab. And this is Cockney comedians and carriages getting coffee. <laughs> yeah! Blimey, you can afford a classic ride like this, Edwin. <laughs> what do you do? Go solo and perform for the royal family? How do you do it? Ow. That's right, ow. I thought it would oddly happen, but after we got sacked from the Palladium, Ooh. I found someone to share my financial goals with and gather a plan. Larry Niver. Who? Larry Niver of Edward Jones. Well, I thought we were Edwin and Jones, the comedic cavalcade of Camden Town. Not Edward and Jones, Edward Jones. Oh, are they a counting house like the Scrooge and Marley fellas? <laughs> no, no. Although, if you wish to count how many Edward Jones offices there are in the US and Canada, there are over 14,000. Evans? What do they need so many offices for? Gold rest you, so married gentlemen like Larry Niver can provide personal service. Edward Jones wants to get to the bottom of what's important to you. They use an established process, building personalized strategies to help you achieve your goals. I consider Larry Niver my partner to keep my goals on track. Now, I know you have to have savings to start a nest egg, but every penny I have is used for housing. Blimey, Jonesy, your Cockney accent has gotten thick as a London fog, it has. It has? I'm not hearing it. 
So, how much do you think I need to save so Mr. Niver can help me out? You'll never know until you sit down with him in an Edward Jones office and chat things out. Tell him about your dream of owning your own business someday. Moving out of Camden Town. Getting a decent ride over your solo way. Maybe some elocution lessons? Oh, elocution? <laughs> what she that dancer what stood you up last New Year's Eve? <laughs> like I said, investing in a decent rider might be in order. Over there! <laughs> well, here we are, Jones. The coffee shop. This is Fezziwigs. Sorry, uh, a little history of Mrs. Fezziwig, Henry. No, it's just a uh, little out of my price range. <laughs> All cover here as usual. Consider it my Christmas treat, courtesy of good investments thanks to Larry Niver. <laughs> Much obliged, partner. Which one there? It's nice. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Ah. Well, now, but before I go inside, tell me, what financial goal did Mr. Niver have <laughs> you achieve? Started my own business, ghost hunting. Ghost hunting? I think London's crawling with ghosts, don't you? Now that you mention it, Edwin, I've heard some strange tales this very night. Need a partner? Edwin and Jones. Happily ever after. For financial strategies and one-on-one -on -one advice, trust Larry Niver, your Austin Edward Jones financial advisor. Located at 8127 Mesa Drive. Just go to edwardjones.com and look him up by name. Larry Niver. A corporate sponsor for fundraising for the Alzheimer's Association and proud sponsor of Penfold Theatre. We now return to KPNF's production of A Christmas Carol, where we find Ebenezer Scrooge tossing fitfully in his bed. No, no, take me back. Please, no! Where am I? I'm in my bed. Well, I'm supposed to be in the middle of the night. On the stroke of the hour, he remembered the words of Marley's ghost and wondered from which direction the second specter would appear. At that moment, nothing between a baby and a rhinoceros would have astonished him very much. Now, being prepared for almost anything, he was not by any means prepared for... Nothing? And, consequently, when no shape appeared, he was taken with a violent fit of trembling. Five minutes, ten minutes, a quarter of an hour went by, yet nothing came. Then, as I sat in my bed, I, I became aware of a great blaze of ruddy light, which seemed to shine from under the door to the adjoining room. He got up softly and shuffled in his slippers to the door. It was his own sitting room, no doubt about that, but it had undergone a surprising transformation. The walls and ceiling were so hung with living green that it looked a perfect grove from every part of which bright, gleaming berries glistened, and such a mighty blaze went roaring up the fire as had never been seen in Scrooge's time, or for many and many a winter season gone, heaped up on the floor to form a kind of throne were turkeys, geese, game, poultry, great joints of meat, suckling pigs, long reeds of sausages, mince pies, plum pudding, barrels of oysters, red hot chestnuts, and seething bowls of punch that made the chamber dim with their delicious steam. <laughs> Come in. Come in, Ebenezer Scrooge, and know me better, man. Ooh, I... I am the ghost of Christmas present. <laughs> Look upon me. 
but you've never seen the like of me before. You're different than the other spirit. You're tall, almost a giant. <laughs> the great torch you carry. Its light pours into the homes of rich and poor alike. Spirit, take me where you will. Last time, I went against my will, and I learned a lesson, which is working now. <laughs> so if you have anything to teach me, let me profit by it. Touch my robe, Ebenezer Scrooge, hmm? and come with me. Oh, <laughs> Where have you brought me, Spirit? A humble dwelling. On a I humble think. street, if you don't mind. But I love the narration in this part. We're just changing it up a bit. But I'm the narrator. We, we, we're, uh, we have a story to tell. <laughs> right. Uh, <clears throat> uh, this home is humble enough. Yet there is happiness there. Who are these people? Uh, that woman and oh, the children? These are the family of your clerk, Bob Cratchit. His wife, dressed in her twice-turned gown, laying the table for their Christmas dinner. And there, assisting her, is her daughter, Belinda. And there, the two little Cratchits. Listen, Scrooge. Peter, Oi. welcome home. <laughs> oh, I bless you, all alike. Peter, my dear, Merry Christmas to you. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Mother. Oh, how late you are, my dear. We had a deal of work to finish up at the factory last oh. night, and we had to clear away this morning. Oh, never mind. So long as you're here now. Oh, sit you down before the fire and have a warm, Lord bless you. Uh, where's Father? Oh, he's been to church with Tiny Tim. He'll be along directly. How is Tiny Tim, Mother? Any better at all? Sometimes I think he is, and sometimes... Oh, God. He has been... Coughing more and more lately. If anything should happen to Tiny Tim, Peter, Mother, I don't know what... you mustn't even think of such a thing. No. Oh, oh, Tim. There's my Tiny Tim. And Merry Christmas, everyone. Oh, Peter, welcome home. Merry Christmas, Father. <laughs> Tim. Merry Christmas, Peter. Uh, Tim, you get faster on that crutch every time I see you. Uh, faster than most of the elfy guys at the factory. It's not true, mm. but thanks. We're so glad to have you home for Christmas, Peter. And how did little Tim behave in church, Bob? Good as gold and better. No, I like the church, Mother. Oh, they sang the nicest songs. I hope everybody saw me there. Saw you there? Why's that, Tim? Because of my crutch. Being Christmas, it might be pleasant for them to remember who it was. Made lying beggars walk and blind men see. Oh, bless you, child. <laughs> well, I'm hungry. Can oh, we Yes, children, we're all ready. Tim, come, come, take nice your places now. And Bob, wait, your turn. There's plenty of stuff and dressing in plum pudding for all of you. All right, Peter, you take care of Tiny Tim now. Of course. You see that he eats plenty. He must get tall and well. Sit down, sit down, everyone. Shall we say grace? Spirit, tell me of Tiny Tim. What of him? He doesn't seem well. Do you think he'll recover? <laughs> What's this? Compassion from Ebenezer Scrooge. Don't mock me, spirit. If you must know, I, I see a vacant seat in the poor chimney corner and a crutch without an owner carefully preserved. Oh. <coughs> no, 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 spirit. Say he'll be spared. Say he'll live. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future Ebenezer, the child will die. But what of it? 
If he's going to die, then perhaps he'd better do so and decrease the surplus population. Is that not so? No, no, that's not fair. Twisting my words. Then forbear that wicked cant until you have discovered what the surplus is and where it is. It may be that in the sight of heaven, you are more worthless and less fit to live than millions like this poor man's child. Amen. 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 <laughs> and now, my dears, with such a dinner, a toast. A Merry Christmas to us all. And God bless us. God bless us, everyone. And now, to Mr. Scrooge. Oh, Mr. Scrooge. Oh. To Mr. Scrooge, the founder of the feast. <laughs> founder of the feast, indeed. Who pays you all of 15 shillings a week. Oh, I wish I had him here. I'd give him a piece of my mind to feast on, and I hope he'd have a good appetite for it. My dears, the, the children, Christmas Day. Well, it should be Christmas Day, I'm sure, on one which drinks the health of such an odious, stingy, unfeeling man as Mr Scrooge. Oh, you know he is, Bob. No one knows it better than you, poor fellow. My dear, Christmas Day. I'll drink his health for your sake and the day's, but not for his. Fine. <clears throat> a long life to him. A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. He'll be very merry and very happy, I've no doubt. And I say God bless him too, Mother. God bless us, everyone. There was nothing of high mark in all this holiday cheer. <laughs> they were not a handsome family, these Cratchits. <laughs> they were not well dressed. Their shoes were far from being waterproof and their clothes were scanty and had very known the likely the insides of a pawnbroker's. But they were happy, grateful, pleased to be together and contented with the time. When at last they faded, Scrooge had his eye upon them and especially on Tiny Tim until the last. The moment the Cratchits vanished, Scrooge was surprised to hear a hearty laugh. <laughs> it was a much greater surprise to Scrooge to recognize it as his own nephews and to find himself in a bright, dry, gleaming room looking at that same nephew. It is a fair, even-handed, noble adjustment of things that while there is infection and disease and sorrow, there is nothing in the world so irresistibly contagious as laughter and good humor. <laughs> so when Scrooge's nephew laughed, all his assembled friends laughed out lustily in echo. He said Christmas was a humbug as I live, and he believed it too. Oh, shame on him. Oh, come, my darling. Don't be cross at him. He's a comical old fellow, and that's the truth. Not so pleasant as he might be. Yeah. However, his offenses carry their own punishment, and I have nothing to say against him. Who suffers by his ill whims? Himself, always. Here he takes it into his head to dislike us, and he won't come and dine with us. What's the consequence? He doesn't lose much of a dinner. I beg your pardon, <clears throat> he loses a very good dinner. Of course he does, my love, if he only knew. <laughs> but he doesn't, so he keeps his gruel himself, mm. missing the wine and music and pudding and games. <gasps> oh, games. Some games. <laughs> <laughs> there was first a game at blind man's bluff, and then they played at forfeits, for it is good to be children sometimes, and never better than at Christmas. 
Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree, how steadfast are your branches. And the carols they sang. As the party wound on, Ebenezer Scrooge, who had quite forgotten the joys of a good party, seemed to also now forget that he was insensible to these shadows around, finding himself giving advice on their stratagems and singing harmonies to their carols. Scrooge's niece played upon the harp and played, among other tunes, a simple little air which had been familiar to the child who had fetched Scrooge from the boarding school as he had been reminded by the ghost of Christmas past. Finishing the air, she announced... I've a new game. It's called Yes and No. Oh, I've never heard of this one. And you won't if you keep talking over them. Uh, let me go first. Oh, let me explain the rules first. I'll think so of something. I'm not... To go first, my <laughs> darling love, light of my life. Uh, too much, <laughs> but very well. My dear Fred here will think of something, and then we must all guess it using only yes and no questions. Now, let me think of the perfect subjects. Mm, I should be good at this one. No, oh, why is that? Oh, no, well, I read people well. It's what makes me a good negotiator. Those may not always be the same thing. And I have the perfect subject. Come on, everyone, give it your best guess. <laughs> is it an animal? Oh, is it a vegetable? No. Ask if it's an animal. Oh, an animal, then. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> See, I told you I'd be good. <laughs> a live animal? <laughs> yes, you know how I feel about taxidermy. Uh, oh, um, a cuddly, perhaps. <laughs> no. Mm. Oh, a rather disagreeable animal, then. <laughs> Undoubtedly. Oh, this is too good. <laughs> oh, um... Does it growl or grunt? Sometimes. That's not a yes or no answer. No, that's not a yes or no answer. It's a tricky question. Hmm. Oh, a badger. No, I don't know what sound those make, but it is certainly disagreeable. <laughs> not a badger. Uh, would I find it here in London? Good question. Yes. Oh, a bear. In London. Oh, um, well, at the zoo. <laughs> Ah, oh, yes, clever, but no. Now, but would I find it anywhere in the wild about town or only in a menagerie of some kind? That's not a yes or no question. Uh, he's got you there. Would I find it in a menagerie? No. Ah, uh, is it a rat? No. Ah, uh, oh, a dog. <gasps> Disagreeable. You don't like dogs. Oh, no, horrid, yappy little thing. It's not a dog. Is it a boar? No. Oh, you say it growls and grunts, but does it make any other sounds? Yes. Does it talk? Yes. Mm, oh, got it, I know what it is. A disagreeable animal, but not a rat or a badger. It's found in London, but not in a menagerie. It growls, but it will also speak at your Uncle Scrooge. Yes! Oh! <laughs> 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 it is a testament to the presence of the spirit that by this point in the evening, Scrooge had become quite caught up in the game that even he could laugh at a punchline pointed in his direction. Oh, well, then the answer to, is it a bear, should have Yes! <laughs> Good to see you're taking that so well. Oh, come now, Fred likes me, you can tell. Oh, can you now? Oh, forgive me, I couldn't resist. Besides, I like the old dog. Oh, see? In fact, he has given us such merriment, I am sure that it would be ungrateful not to drink his health. So here is a glass of mulled wine ready at hand. And I say to Uncle Scrooge. To, to Uncle, Uncle Scrooge. Scrooge. A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to the old man, whatever he is. He wouldn't take it from me, but may he have it nevertheless. At that, the spirit found a fitting end to this stop and ushered Scrooge along to their next destination. Many calls Scrooge made that night with me. Down among the miners we went, who labor in the bowels of the earth, and out to sea among the sailors at their watch, dark, ghostly figures in their several stations. 
Much we saw and far we went, and many places we visited, but always with a happy end. The spirits stood beside sick beds, and they were cheerful, on foreign lands, and they were close at home, by poverty. And it was rich, in almshouse, hospital, and jail. Anywhere vain man and his little brief authority had not made fast the door and barred the spirit out, they left a blessing. It was a long night, if it was only a night. And it was strange, too, that while Scrooge remained unaltered in his outward form, the ghost grew older, clearly older. My life upon this globe is very brief, Ebenezer. It ends tonight. Tonight? At the next stroke of the hour. Hark. The hour has come. No, 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 not yet, not, not yet. Uh, there's still more I wish to learn. These you will learn from still another spirit. There is still another spirit, Ebenezer. Heed him. Scrooge looked about him for the ghost, but it had vanished. He found himself once more in his bed, in his dressing gown, his nightcap on his head. How could he have gotten back? Then, lifting up his eyes, he beheld the third spirit. A solemn phantom, shrouded in black, draped and hooded, coming towards him slowly and silently like a mist along the ground. I, I know you. You're the ghost of Christmas yet to come. You'll show me the shadows of things that have not yet happened but will happen in the time before us. Answer me, spirit. Ghost of the future. I fear you more than any spectre I've seen, yet I know your purpose is to do me good. And as I hope to live to be another man from what I was, lead on, lead on, for the night is waiting fast and time is precious. Uh, 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 why have you brought me back here, spirit, yet a Bob Cratchit's home? But it's not the same. Why is it quiet? So very quiet here. <laughs> Mother, Mother, please. <laughs> my little son. My tiny Tim, I loved him so. Mother, dear, you mustn't <laughs> cry. I'm not. No, it's just the stitching in the, the dim light. <laughs> it makes my eyes weak, is all. <laughs> oh, it's almost time for Father to be home. Don't let him see you crying. It'll start him off. Oh, yes. Yes, Peter. You're right. You're right. I, I wouldn't want to show weak eyes to your father for all the world. Shouldn't he be home by now? He walks slower than he used to, but I knew him to walk very fast indeed with Tiny Tim on his shoulder. <laughs> they would skip sometimes on and off the curb. Tim was light to carry. Your father loved him so, but it was no trouble. No trouble at Oh, Bob, you're home. Oh, good evening, my dear. You're late. Yes. I'm sorry, dear. I, I went to the I went to the churchyard today. Oh. I wish you could have gone with me. It, it would have done your heart good to see how sweet and green a place it is. But you'll see it often, I promised. I promised Tim we'd walk there on a Sunday. Father, it's it's good to see you. <laughs> Welcome home, Peter. <laughs> Tim would have been so happy to see you. 
Don't go on like that. You'll make mother's eyes weak yes, again. I'm <laughs> sorry, my boy. It is very good to see you. I'm just trying to understand it. My son. My Tim. I loved him so. We all did. We all do. Quite right, my love. The cruelty spirit. Can't there be any hope for the boy? Where are you going? Where are you taking me now? Oh, here, on, on a common street spirit? Well, what is there for me to learn here? Who are these men? Mm, I don't know much about it either way. I only know he's dead. When did he die? Last night, I believe. <laughs> it's likely to be a very cheap, cheap funeral for, uh, upon my life, I don't know anybody to go to. <laughs> suppose we make, make up a party and volunteer. Mm, I suppose I don't mind going, if a lunch is provided. <laughs> mm. Come to think of it, I'll bet I was his closest friend. What? <laughs> yes, we used to nod to each other in the street. Who else do you know would do that? <laughs> mm. Who is this man that died? Is there no one to mourn the poor treasure? No one to follow him to the graveside? Uh, perhaps they'll give him a green grave, like poor Tiny Tim, perhaps? Step into the uh, parlor. That's right, step inside to the parlor. Oh, good heaven, where have we come now? It's hard to keep my bearings. Let the charwoman come in first, and the laundress's business to be the second. You, Undertaker, you're last. Very well. <laughs> Look here, old Joe, here's a chance if we have it all free, Matty, without meeting it. <laughs> we couldn't have met in a better place. And we all know why we're here. No need being shy about it, I. <laughs> Come to the parlor, then. You were made free of it long ago, you know, and, and you're right. The other two ain't strangers, neither. We're all suitable to our calling. We're all well-matched. Come into the parlor. Come into the parlor. Every person has a right to take care of themselves. He always did. Oh, that's true indeed. No man more so. Very well then, who's the worst for the loss of a few things like these? Not a dead man. If he wanted to keep him after he was dead, why wasn't he natural in his lifetime? No. If he had been, he'd have had somebody to look after him when he was struck with death. Instead of lying, gasping out his last there, alone by himself. It's the truest word that was ever spoken. It's a judgment on him. Open that bundle, Joe. I'm not afraid to be the first, nor afraid for them to see it. It's no sin. Open the bundle, Joe. Sheets and towels. A little wearing apparel, too. Old-fashioned silver teaspoons. A pair of sugar tongs. And, uh... A few boots. Two and ten. Ah. I always give too much to ladies. It's a weakness of mine, and it's the way I ruin myself. Oh, who's next? Uh, some triflings. Not extensive. A briefer window of opportunity. <laughs> True enough. A seal or two, a pencil case, and a brooch. No great value. A pair of sleeve buttons. Are these silver? <gasps> ha. No silver coated is all. Nah, but 
They shine well. One and five. Oh, thank you, sir. Now, undo my bundle, Joan. <laughs> what is this? Bed curtains? Took them down, rings and all. <laughs> With them just lying there? Ha! You were born to make your fortune! Oh, I certainly shan't hold my hand when I can get anything in it by reaching it out. For the sake of such a man as he was, I promise you, Joe. <laughs> oh, don't get oil upon the blankets now. His blankets? I hope he didn't die of anything catching. Oh, don't you be afraid of it. I'm so fond of his company that I'd loiter about him for such things if he did. Ah, and you may look through that shirt till your eyes ache, but you won't find a hole in it, nor a threadbare place. It was the best he had, and a fine one too. I'd have wasted it if it hadn't been for me. What do you call wasting it? Burying him in it. <laughs> Anyone. Oh, and he couldn't look uglier than he did in that one, eh? Hmm. Oh, this is the end of it, you see. He frightened everyone away from him when he was alive to profit us when he was dead. <laughs> Spirit, I see. I see. The case of this unhappy man might be my own. My life tends that way now. Spirit, where are we now? Merciful heaven, the churchyard, overrun by grass and weeds, choked with too much burying. Desolate, lonely, crumbling markers. And you draw me near that far gravestone? Spirit, before I draw nearer to that grave, answer me one question. Are these the shadows of things that will be, or are they the shadows of things that may be only? Will you not speak to me, Spirit? Whose is that gravestone to which you point? See writing now. I, the name on that gravestone is. Ebenezer <laughs> Scrooge! No, 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 Spirit! No, no, no! Hear me! I'm not the man I was! Why show me this if I am past all hope? Tell me that I can change these dreadful shadows by an altered life! Christmas in my heart. I'll honor it. I'll keep it all the year. I'll live in the past, the present, and the future. And I'll not shut out the lessons that they teach. Go on, Spirit, tell me. Tell me, Spirit, that I can sponge away the writing on that stone, Spirit. I beg you. I beg you, Spirit. I promise. I promise on my deeds. I promise. I promise. Wait, wait. What's this? Oh, it's my own drape. Oh, I'm home. Oh, in my own bed. In my own room. <laughs> oh, and the sun. The sun shining clear and bright. Oh, beautiful day. 
glorious, glorious day. Oh, oh, hey, there. Oh, boy. Yes, sir? What's today? What's that, sir? Yeah, what, what, what day is it, my fine fellow? To die? Why, it's Christmas Day! Ah, <laughs> Christmas Day! Oh, and I haven't missed it. Oh, the spirits have done it all in one night. Oh, well, of course they have. Of course they have. Uh, that's <laughs> uh, uh, tell me, my lad, uh, do you know uh, the poulterer on the next street? <laughs> An intelligent boy, a remarkable boy. Uh, do you know if they've sold the prize turkey that was hanging in the window? The one as big as me. <laughs> oh, what a delightful boy. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Yes, my buck. Uh, it's hanging there now, sir. Ha-ha, wonderful. Uh, now, I want you to go and tell him to send it to Bob Cratchit and his family on Broad Street in Camden Town. Here you go. <laughs> And <gasps> remember, you're there not to know who paid what it is. Uh, now run along. Hurry, my lad. Hurry. Oh, oh. And here's half a crown for your trouble. Yes, sir. <laughs> and a Merry Christmas, sir. <laughs> and a Merry Christmas to you, my lad. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I'm as light as a feather. I'm as happy as an angel. I'm as merry as a schoolboy. <laughs> merry Christmas! <laughs> oh, merry Christmas to everybody. A happy New Year to all the world. Well, ooh, madam. Uh, yes, you, dear lady. Uh, how do you do? <laughs> I beg your pardon? No, 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 it is I who must beg your pardon. Aren't you the one who came by my office uh, yesterday in regards of some charity or another? Oh, why, yes, sir. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. again, uh, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Yeah, and uh, again, I must ask your pardon, and if you would have the goodness to accept... Uh, I have no idea what's customary. Uh, well, uh, just come by my office tomorrow, and I'll double your largest donation. <laughs> oh, bless me. My dear Mr. Scrooge, are you serious? <laughs> yes, yes, if you please. Not a farthing less. A great many back primates are included in it, I assure you. Oh, I don't know what to say to such munificence. Oh, well. <laughs> now, please, not, don't say a thing. I am much obliged to you. Thank you. Fifty times thank you. Well, Merry Christmas. <laughs> oh, but you must excuse me. I must get dressed. I'm to make it to my nephew Fred's. I'm having Christmas dinner with my family. No. <laughs> and he did, much to the surprise of Scrooge's nephew and his dear wife. On his way, he went by the church and walked about the streets and watched the people hurrying to and fro and patted children on the head and talked with the beggars and looked down into the kitchens of houses and up to the windows and found that everything could yield him pleasure. He had never dreamt that any walk, that anything, could give him so much happiness. The next morning, Scrooge was early at his office. He went there early for a reason. If only he could get there first and catch his clock coming late. That was the thing he'd set his heart upon. And he did it. <laughs> yes, he did. The clock struck nine. No Bob. A quarter past. No Bob. Scrooge sat with his door wide open that he might see Bob Cratchit come in. At last he came. His hat was off before he opened the door. His comforter too. 
He was on his stool in a jiffy, driving away with his pin, as if you're trying to overtake the tide. Fifteen and twenty-one. Six and carry the one. Hello, Cratchit. Yes, sir? Step this way, Bob, if you please. What do you mean by coming in at this time of day? Why, I am very sorry, sir. I am behind my usual time. <laughs> you are? Um, yes, I think you are. Well, it's only once a year, Mr. Scrooge. It shall not be repeated. I mm. well, I was making rather merry yesterday. You, you see, someone sent us the, the largest turkey. I tell you what, I'll not stand for this sort of thing no, any I'm, longer. I'm very and sorry. Therefore, Cratchit, no, please I'm about sorry. to <laughs> raise your salary. <laughs> Wait, what? Raise my salary. <laughs> I'm raising your salary. <laughs> Merry Christmas! <laughs> Mr. Scrooge, are you quite yourself, sir? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, thank heaven. I, I'm not quite myself. <laughs> oh, Merry Christmas, my dear fellow. A merrier Christmas than I've given you in many a year. I shall raise your salary, and we shall see what we can do for Tiny Tim and the rest of your family, huh? <laughs> we'll discuss it this very afternoon over a Christmas bowl of smoking bishop. Now, make up the fire, Bob. Make it up, and it, 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 it. buy another coal scuttle before you dot another eye. <laughs> Scrooge was better than his word. He did it all and infinitely more. And to Tiny Tim, who did not die, he was a second father. He became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city ever knew. Some people laughed to see the alteration in him, but he let them laugh and little heeded them. His own heart laughed. That was quite enough for him. He had no further dealing with spirits, and it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well, if anyone alive possessed the knowledge. May that truly be said of us, of all of us. So from all of us here at KPNF, thank you for joining us this evening, and Merry Christmas. And as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, everyone. God bless us, everyone. <laughs>